Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. In the 15th chapter, I'm not going to read all of it, but I will be referring to it all. I'm going to read just the first seven verses, and then we'll talk about the last portion. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, Doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Just come through the Thanksgiving season. For a lot of people, it was a time of joy and delight. For others, it was a time of sadness, probably the beginning of the saddest season of the year. From Thanksgiving through Christmas, for a lot of people, is not a joy. It's a time of sadness. A time of remembering lots of things, good things as well as bad, but particularly remembering family that we no longer have. Sometimes we begin to ask ourselves the question, does God really care? Really? Or is he just a God way up there in heaven that one day took his finger and made a spin of this whole globe and and spoke a few words, and it came into being, and it's supposed to run all on its own, and he has no more concern, no more care, for whether it survives or whether it explodes. And certainly, if that's true, then he would have no concern and care for you and me, just little bits of dust strung around this old globe, as if we are nothing. Is that the kind of God we have to serve? Back in 1 Kings, there was a story of Ezekiel, who had a conflict with the prophets of Baal. The people had gone astray and had been very ungodly in their action. And Elijah saw that they were beginning to follow other gods, even Baal. And 
Sharkey and various other ones. And he came to the people and he put it pretty straight to them. He said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If, God, if the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. I think that's a pretty good statement. We surely are intelligent enough to make up our minds if there is a God and whether he has any concern about our existence. And if we want to worship a God of rock or steel or wood, then go ahead and do it. Make him your God. But if you conclude that God is real and that he has some concern about what goes on in this world, then serve him, then worship him. But make up your mind. How long are you going to stand on the, the edge between falling off to the worship of whatever the world might offer and the worship of God himself? The people never even answered. They stood dumbfounded before him. He said, all right, I'll tell you what. You 400 prophets of Baal, you build an altar here on top of this mountain. You kill a bull and you put that bull on the altar. And I'll do the same thing. And then we'll both pray to our God. Whichever God answers, with fire from heaven and consumes the offering, the, the bull and the altar, that'll be God. And we'll worship that God. And the people said, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Let's just find out who God really is. So they built their altars and the 400 prophets of Baal all day long went around and around that altar praying and begging send fire from heaven and consume this offering. Nothing happened. <clears throat> and Elijah taunted them and said, well, maybe he's off on a trip somewhere, or maybe he's asleep. Round they went, trying to beg their God, who was nothing but a mass of stone and wood, to respond with fire. Nothing happened. Then Elijah barrels upon barrels of water and soaked his altar till it surely could not burn. Had a ditch around it full of water, all soaked. And then he began to pray. Pray to God earnestly, sincerely. Not that he simply would send fire from heaven, but that this very day God's own people would see that God is really God. And as he prayed, the scripture says that the fire came down from heaven and consumed that soaked altar and lapped up all the water even that was on it and around it. And the people cried, the Lord, he is God. He is God. They worshiped. Jesus assembled with the 
tax collectors, and the worst of sinners during his ministry upon earth. The Pharisees, they were the church people, you know, the righteous ones who never did any wrong, who always showed up for all the services and were so righteous, looked at Jesus down their nose and said to each other, that man, he assembles with sinners. Why, he even eats with them. Jesus understood what they were getting at. And he gives them three parables to describe who he is, and more even importantly, who God really is and what he's like. He just gives us three stories that tells us that God does care. And he was saying to these Pharisees, the real God is a caring God. The first parable story he gave them dealt with a man who had a hundred head of sheep. And when they came into the fold that night, as he counted them, 96, 97, 98, 99. That was all. One was out of the boat. He tells us that that shepherd left those 99 inside that fold and he went out searching and looking for the one that was lost. One had strayed, and the shepherd was concerned about the one. It ought to be enough. So you lose one out of a hundred, so what? One percent loss is a pretty good loss. But it didn't satisfy the shepherd, neither does it satisfy God. From time to time, you and I stray. We go where we ought not go. We do what we ought not do. We are what we ought not be. And so one is lost and goes away. Should we have any concern? One of the real concerns that I have <coughs> as a pastor, but can't even begin to with the concern of God is for those of this flock who stray. We have them. Who come in the door and find the back door and go away without ever a thought again. Our interest is not in this sermon upon the one who left but upon the concern of the Father who saw them go. And when he counts, does not find that one who goes out looking. He goes out into the wilderness and finds that sheep of his down in a crevice where the sheep had slipped off the narrow path had fallen to the side. And with tenderness he reaches down into that crevice 
and pulls that sheep up out. Then what does he do? Does he simply set the sheep down and say, now you want everything, you get all? No, not at all. He puts that wayward sheep on his shoulder and tenderly carries it back home. He tells us the story of a woman who simply had ten coins. <coughs> and somehow or other, during the process of the day, one was misplaced. It had value to her. It represented 10% of all that she owned. Well, she still had 90%. So what? I couldn't believe it the other day when I was standing in line and uh, a teenager was in front of me buying something and the change was pennies. And the teenager said, I don't want them. Well, To some people, that which we have is important and valuable and it ought to be because God gave it to us and we ought to be concerned about it, that we protect it and keep it. It has value. What I'm saying is God is interested in our daily lives. What has value to us has value to God. And He's not simply turning us loose and saying, all right, I've given you your money now. You make it or break it. I don't care anymore. But God is concerned about the daily affairs of our life. Do you hurt? Let me tell you, God hurts. Have you lost something? God feels that loss with you. Then he told us a third story about a boy young man, really, probably 20 or so years old, you know, who the kids of that age get the idea that they know more than mom and dad. I knew more than when I was 20 and my dad did when he, you know, ever did. I was smart. Remember when you were that smart? Nobody is smarter than an 18 to 20 year old. We know it all, don't we? Some of us has never outgrown that either. We still stay smart, you know. We're 18 or 20 always. This boy said to his dad, Dad, a certain portion, a third of all that you have is going to come to me when you die. I want it now. I want to go and do as I please with it. It's my right. It's mine. Give it to me. Father did. Down the road he went. Money in his pocket to have a good time. To enjoy fast automobiles and loose living and really live it up. He had friends and he couldn't count. Everybody was his buddy. Then the day came money ran out. And so went the friends. He tried to find a job. Now he had to work. He wasted it. He finally had to go to a farmer and 
got a job feeding hogs for a Jew. That was the lowest possible thing there was. He was so hungry. This person who had known nothing but goodness and plenty all of his life now was in, in despair. He was destitute. He would have, had his pride allowed him, gotten down in the trough with the hogs and would have eaten with them. He was that hungry. And at that point, he finally woke up. And he remembered home. He said, my goodness. Even the servants back home have more to eat than I have. I think I'll go home. I can't go back. It's a son of ruin, that opportunity. I'll go back and I'll say, Dad, I've sinned. I've done wrong. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. I'm not asking you to take me back as a son. I'm just going to ask you to take me back as a servant. Put me on your payroll. I work for you. That was in his mind. He made his way back. He got within sight of home. Something strange took place. The reception that he expected to receive was one of coolness. To receive a tongue lashing at the least for how wicked he had been and dilatory and being concerned about right things. Jesus is telling the Pharisees this story. He tells them what God is like because God was the father of the story. And as the son approached, the father had been looking all this time down the road waiting for that wayward boy to come home. He finally came. The emphasis ought to be upon the father, not upon the son. Because it was the father who rushed out and put his arms around the dirtiest boy this world had ever seen. And hugged him. Why? Because that's God. There's not a dirty ugly, undesirable person in all this world. God affiliates with sinners. He lives with them. He loves them. He takes them to his bosom. He hugs them. That's what God is like. This is nothing more in these three stories than a description of God. One who goes out and searches for his child who left the fold and went wandering off somewhere, fell into sin, 
you think the people of this church and every other church who have been wayward, who made a profession of faith and went out, are forgotten about? Maybe we forget them, but God doesn't. You'll go out looking until he's found that one. And he tenderly brings them home. But if there is a child, even more important than a sheep, who's out there wandering, God is preparing a great homecoming for that individual. If you're not a Christian today, you can well fit yourself in the story of the prodigal. And when you're willing to come toward home, You'll find the Father waiting. And let me tell you, he doesn't wait inside the door. He runs down the steps and out the road and will meet you where you are. And put his loving arms around you and welcome you. The scripture says that there is more joy in heaven in the presence of angels when one sinner. kind of a God we serve. A God who is concerned about his children. That's what God is. So though we may someday, sometime, some of us already are, feeling the distress of a season of the year that should bring happiness, being filled with distress, unhappiness causing us sometimes to wonder, does God really care at all? We find, yes, he does. He's like a shepherd that goes looking. He's like a woman who sweeps her house to find what she cannot find. He's like a father who waits for a son to return to the father. That's our God. Not one who is asleep or away on a trip, but one who is in our presence every day, never forgets us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.